everybody. Welcome back to Dirt Talk Monday edition. Today, Alex and I are shooting the poop about equipment and we get into social media in the dirt world. I had fun with this. Hopefully you enjoy it. So this is a Caterpillar 390 mass excavation configuration. Big dog. So you'll notice it has a short stick mm -hmm. right here and a shortened boom right here. Because it's picking up heavier things. Typically? It's built to just dig. And so you want to keep it as close to you as possible. So you're not reaching all the way out, which sure. wastes time. And then you have more force when you have a shorter stick and shorter. So you can dig through stuff closer to you more effectively. That makes sense. Yeah. You can put a bigger bucket on there and just fucking send it. Is there like a uh, level on, you know, like how much, how far this can go like below? Um, I don't think if if this is sea level. You yeah. Know, obviously, this goes below that. It can go all the way. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. not like a, it'll start to tip over at a certain degree. No, if you're doing deep sewer, you'd have this thing all the way down there. But see, it's it's mass X, so you wouldn't be doing deep sewer with this because mm -hmm. you don't have the reach. Oh, it's like made to not have the kind yeah. of reach. Yeah, but you can get like a sewer stick and sewer boom on there. That would give you probably twice the reach of this. Okay. It looks ridiculous how long they can get. <laughs> So you can get all, you can get far down. I've seen a lot of the ones, uh, they were doing a project over, um, there's like this very ritzy neighborhood um, across the street from my old neighborhood, which was not nearly as nice, mm -hmm. called Laurel Brook. It's where like the rich people who want to live near Nashville in like a gated community live. Mm -hmm. um, Alan Jackson lives there. Uh, Dave Ramsey just sold his house there. Like it's. Oh, wow. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's for real. Very nice. They're doing a project where they had an excavator, but like the arm is like so high. Like mm -hmm. it's, I can't, I couldn't figure out what was happening. Like it was, they were putting a giant retaining wall that was, I mean, 30 feet high so that the house could be kind of up in the hill. Wow. Um, but every time I drive past it, it would be like an excavator arm that was really, really high and like curved right at the top. Mm. It was really bizarre. So I don't know if, they were able to go up against the retaining wall and like dig behind it. I don't know. It was really bizarre. But I feel like I've seen a couple of those um, setups around town. It could have been a long reach or just maybe like a demo, d demolition configuration. Okay. I need to get a picture next time because it to me that was like, I don't, I haven't seen that. I don't know what that is. You get into the demolition configuration, you can get some weird stuff going. Because I guess it's just like, well, this serves the goal I, I have. Yeah, some, yeah. Sometimes they use demolition machines for excavation, which is, uh, I think, pretty cool. Sure, it's super because a lot of it is utilization. A lot of demolition contractors will also do things like digging basements because it'll give them better utilization of their machines when the machine doesn't have a building to go eat. They can go put an excavation type setup on it. And it can go dig a basement. Like it's not a huge change or from like a man hour. Like I guess that's what you're saying. Utilize, utilization. They just can keep them, you know, in the field more. Yeah. You're, you're, you're spreading your risk a little bit more. So you can do excavation or you can do demolition. In theory, you're probably focused on demolition if you're a demolition company. Sure. But a lot of times they'll dig basements too because it's good money. They already have the equipment sitting. Maybe they already have the equipment sitting nearby from a demolition project. They can move over there, dig the basement with the same machine, different stick, different boom. You're ready to go. Is uh, the typical figuration on an excavator to go dig a basement like kind of 
the most common version of a setup? Yeah, you'll dig a basement with just a normal machine. Got it. It seems to be like the go-to move. Yeah. Okay. Well, sometimes, I remember Firma, they were doing a basement downtown San Francisco. Uh-huh. And they had one of their big excavators. It was maybe a 90-ton machine, maybe a little bit bigger. So I think the base model was a Hitachi 870, if I had to guess. And they had uh, like a telescoping boom on it and a clamshell. Mm-hmm. So the excavator sat up on the surface and would extend the telescoping boom and clamshell all the way down. And they would have smaller machines down in the hole. And that would do the digging mm-hmm. out of the hole because it was such a tight space. So it would load the trucks with the clamshell. But that's pretty unique. That's only when it's a really tight footprint. Hmm. I saw it too downtown Seattle, they had a Deer 470 with a telescoping boom. It has like, it was probably an 80 foot basement. So it has a hell of a telescopic boom on it. Sure. You got to get down there. And it, it was, it wasn't fast, but it's the fastest way of doing it. And the footprint was so tight, they could only close one lane down and they had to run the trucks through the lane. So they basically built a little scaffold, like they cantilevered some steel and lagging out over the basement and chained the excavator mm-hmm. to that cantilevered structure. Oh, wow. So the excavator was partially hanging over the excavation. Because that was the only way to like get the reach? It could. Well, it, it got them away from the wall a little bit, but then also just saved them the, the surface area so they could get the trucks in and out. Oh, got it. Without disturbing traffic. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it was, Man. It, was, it was pretty cool. One thing that I don't have... Um, a good grip on is when we talk about like tonnage for machines, I can't really tell if it's a lot or not very much. Um, so this is a Caterpillar 390. Uh-huh. It's roughly a 90 metric ton machine. Okay. And this is a big machine. I do know that. <laughs> Got yeah. it. Okay. For, for earth moving applications. So, you'll always have the jackass that's in mining like, oh, 390, like, oh, that's that's nothing. Like, okay. Like, yeah, I get it. it. Okay. Sick, dude. <laughs> You run PC-8000s, yes, yeah, you're right. It's not a big machine compared to a PC-8000, but everyday use, a 390, that's a big machine. Yeah, if you see one on the side of the road, like here in town, you're like, that's a huge machine. Yes. Yeah. I don't even know if there are any in, in town, really? in Nashville. Yeah. It's either a 374 or Jones Brothers or the 6015. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how there's no 390s or 395s that I've seen. And is that re- regional? It's typically a regional thing. Okay. These are, these are not that common. If you go out west, bigger machines are more common. But out east, especially especially in a place like Florida, they'll do 10 million yard jobs with 349s. They won't, they won't run anything bigger than a 50 ton what, machine. Do you think that's like a, just easier to get them around on the east side of the country? It's for mobilization, especially in the northeast yeah. when DOT laws are tighter. Sure. And then it's just for weight you're going, you're, you, you potentially might sink in the material you're in. <laughs> and then also utilization. So a, a, a smaller machine, you just, it's not as hungry. So you're not always having to keep millions of yards of material in front of it. Mm-hmm. Like you go by, people think, you know, owning a 6015 is awesome. It is probably very cool. Yeah. If you get one, it's probably very awesome. Yeah. And Jones Brothers has three of them. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, I'm not totally sure how much material one of those moves a month but then you multiply that by three and that's the amount of material you need to keep out in front of that machine 
monthly just to keep the damn thing fed. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of material. You're having Well, yeah, that, that's its own job, just getting enough work for that to like keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Or big Western earth-moving companies. I've heard some basically measuring their backlog in millions of yards and in, 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 in cubic yards of material to move. That's how they look at their backlog. So then does the, uh, that utilization like rate, I guess, is that essentially fall to who's doing business development or how they're like lining up projects? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all a balancing act. Like you go get a spread of 57s. You got to keep a lot of dirt in front yeah, of Yeah, it's like things. really cool, but yeah, now you got to get a lot of jobs. Well, that's why everybody on the internet just doesn't get like, oh, 57 could, could do that project so much faster. You're like, yeah. And then you get done with this project and you have a fucking 657. What do you do with that then? Then you got to go bid more 657 work, but you're probably in an area where there isn't much 657 work. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to go buy a pair of 657s for <laughs> one project and then you're going to have to go sell them and you have to mow them. Like, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like use 27s. Well, yeah, you wouldn't bring like large scale mining equipment to dig a basement. Like it's just no. Like sure, I guess it might go faster, but also like then all of a sudden it's over and now you don't have anything for that that equipment to do. Yes. Yeah. And then you don't just go rent big equipment. Well, sure. <laughs> you go, you just call call United Rentals. Hey guys, you got you got a dozen six fifty sevens for us that you could send us on Tuesday, and it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, just a, a quick equipment talk. Nothing to it. Um, I mean, you could go rent 657s. You from, could. From Peed. But all their machines are busy. They're out there working. Yeah. They're all moving dirt, man. <laughs> well, you can rent 657s from Peed, from TGI, like Independent, from Coburn, from Rasmussen, I think. When you think about, you know, just dealers, equipment dealers, are they, I'm trying to think the, from a, a competition standpoint, is it typically like, you know, the cat dealer in town um, versus like United Rentals? Like, is that sort of how uh, they think about it or are they? Kind of. So there, there's a good example of this that I think is pretty fascinating. So there's this company called Heavy Metal Equipment. Sounds awesome. Continue. In, in Alberta. Okay. And they rent 797s. And other machines, but 797s. So the biggest trucks, pretty big, ultra class mining trucks. They rent them to Suncor and Syncrude and all the big oil sands companies. Okay. They do that so that Suncor and Syncrude limit their liability and keep the machines off their balance sheet mm-hmm. because they're very expensive. They're expensive to maintain. So they would rather just even out their operating costs and pay a monthly rate for those machines. And have the option to turn it off, say, if oil goes down, which doesn't look. Yeah, they just don't need it for a month. Or, yeah, or, which is not going to happen yeah. anytime soon. So it, 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 it takes it off their balance sheet. It limits their liability. It's good for them. Why wouldn't then Finning just buy the machines and rent them to them? Finning doesn't want 797s on their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. They're a dealer and they do have a rental component, but that's for smaller equipment. For the bigger equipment... It just, they're just not geared up for that. So let someone else take the risk, but then they still get a lot of the benefit because they're selling the machines. They're still selling the machine. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And they're providing all the parts. Mm -hmm. You can't go get 797 parts from uh, Joe's truck shop down the road. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) You can't order them on Amazon. (laughs) No, no. It's going to come from Caterpillar. Yeah. 
So it's advantageous for both parties. They, mm. the, the heavy, heavy metal, uh, heavy metal rental company, they're not competing with Caterpillar. They're renting the big equipment. Dif- different offerings. Different offerings. That's really interesting. Through the me. mines. And then Caterpillar still wins because they're still selling and servicing the equipment. I feel like my brain would have flipped those. Like, of course, Caterpillar is going to rent the biggest stuff because, like, that's their, you know, bigger machines. But, like, you're saying, it makes more sense for them to rent the smaller machines because more people can rent smaller machines. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And so on the smaller side, they still are in competition with other rental companies. But interestingly enough, I, so there's a dealer. I don't know if, I don't know if this is public knowledge, so I'm going to keep it vague. I would talk, I would talk openly about it because I think it's advantageous, but I'll just keep it vague for now. But there is a, a, a equipment dealer that rents all of this small equipment, like skid steers, mini excavators, that kind of thing, and even small tools that bought a small local rental company because the problem was that technically is a competitor, not for the sake of eliminating the competition, Mm -hmm. but because they, the weekend warrior people don't think to call Caterpillar to go rent a skid steer. They go to Home Depot or they go to their local equipment supply, you know, equipment rental company. Mm -hmm. So they bought the smaller equipment rental company, uh, to then serve that market. Interesting. Because they're better suited to serve that market than Caterpillar is due to the perception problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you solve the perception problem by just buying up who's doing well in that market and who's <laughs> own both of them. Yeah, super interesting. That's pretty clever. Yeah. Rental rental is, is a fascinating deal. Mm-hmm. I like keeping up with uh, Brian Peters. His, his story is, is pretty cool. He's kicking ass. Mm-hmm. He's kicking ass. Yeah. I love when he's just like, and look, we just bought this piece of equipment. Now we can start renting it. And yeah. He's like, actually, it's booked for the next six months. You know, whatever. I, I liked how he posted the other day about um, one of his machines getting just wrecked, just all banged up mm-hmm. and talked about the realities of owning a rental company. Because I think that's one of the big problems with the rental companies is they have this perception that, uh, well, it's a rental company. It's rental equipment. You can just beat the hell out of it. But the reality is, at the end of the day, somebody somebody owns that somebody machine owns like it. any other machine. It has to maintain it. Yeah, and him showing that as the owner of the rental company, the small the small business, it humanizes it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow, okay, this is so. This is interesting. There's there's consequences here, and I should be respectful of rental stuff because yeah. at the end of the day, somebody does own it. At, well, at the end of the day, most of the time, it's just big corporations. Sure, not this time. Anyway, not, not if you rent from Advanced Track. Advanced track. Rent from Advanced Track. If you're sick of dealing with the big corporations, down with the big corporations, Advanced Track Rentals. Check out his uh, episode on Dirt Talk. I think it's like 96 or something like that. I don't even know if he has any equipment to rent right now because, like I don't you know. said, yeah, it's, he all, might not, it's, it's all already booked. <laughs> we'll reach out to him because he's a cool dude. Okay, that'll be like $500. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sending an invoice. <laughs> yeah, you did not ask for that, but we did it for you, but now you need to pay us for it. There you go. Start, start advertising for people that just demand <laughs> it, <money>. it, <laughs> we, Yeah, we only advertise for people who have not asked for it. Uh-huh. We come for the money later. Yeah. That makes like, it more no, no, genuine. No. You, you got a lot of business out of that, probably. Mm-hmm. Not that we can. We're not tracking it, nor are we paying attention. I, I got him articulated trucks on consignment. I, <laughs> well, well, I saw that he had like 12 articulated trucks for sale, 745s. And I, I messaged him like, damn, dude, that's, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's a, that's a big consignment. Mm-hmm. 
And he's like, yeah, thanks. It, it was because of the guy you sent me. And I'm like, oh, no <laughs> shit. <laughs> ah, okay. So the social doing? media thing isn't a total waste of time. Yep. Back. Uh, welcome to Dirt Talk, everybody. Some equipment talk to start off the episode. And today we have a theme. Hmm. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we did a Q&A, which I love doing. I think those are all super fun. This is one specific question that goes to a broader thing that um, I think if you listen to this podcast, you probably also follow Aaron on a social media of some sort. And if you don't, you should also follow BuildWit. Just, you know, keep up with the story. Sure. That'll be $500. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I need to pay you $500 now for, for the podcast you host. There we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, every time Aaron's on Dirt Talk, I have to, inv- he, I have to invoice him. Um, and it gets really expensive to have him on his podcast. Yeah, I have to pay. I have to pay to be here. <laughs> yeah, you're paying to. Be, Nothing's free. You're paying yourself. You're paying Buildwit to be on the podcast. There we go. Uh, anyway, so the theme today, we're gonna talk about social media a little bit. Hmm. I've I get questions every once in a while that come into Dirt Talk at Buildwit.com. Send me an email if you have got a question for the podcast. I get a number that'll of five hundred dollars. That'll be five hundred dollars. I get a lot of questions asking about social media. Obviously, a lot of our business um, has been built by social media in a number of different ways. And sometimes the questions are, uh, you know, what do I, what do, how do I start an account? Or like, is it really that value? You know, there, there are a lot of basic questions like that. Um, and you've talked a little bit about it over the course of the life of this podcast. Well, you've talked a lot about it, but in little pieces here and there over the course of the podcast. And so uh, this guy, David, reached out. And I thought he had a really interesting story, but the way he put out his laid out his questions, I'm like, this is awesome to have like a, a conversation over, not just a let me tee up Aaron to talk for five minutes. So I'm going to read you David's question, and then we can just dig into it. Pun intended. That'll be five hundred dollars, David. He says, "I would really like to see you guys elaborate on the benefits and pitfalls of social media. I'm in a position with enough work to keep myself and a few other guys busy fixing busted stuff." And I feel like social media is something to use when you need work. Uh, he's a diesel tech. 99% of my work is referral or word of mouth. But am I missing something not having a presence on Instagram or Facebook? To me, it seems like a good way to get heckled for not having a perfect photo or for receiving a thousand messages for people asking me to install lights on their 4x4. Any guidance and strategy you'd be willing to share would be much appreciated. You're right. Like He's not wrong that, yeah, he'll, he'll probably get heckled by some jackasses saying, oh, you're doing it wrong or whatever it is. Yeah, you probably will get people saying, hey, can you put sure. lights on my forehead? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to get all that. But it's like, I wish I had a good analogy for, for this because you're leaving so much on the table to avoid yourself a little bit of a headache. Like just the, the downside is so far smaller than the upside. And everybody looks at it just from a get work business development standpoint. It's not. It's like I was explaining on our internal podcast. I have better conversations with my mom because she follows along with my social media and she can see what the hell I do every day. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of value. We have a big perception problem in the industry. We need people to become technicians, diesel mechanics. Well, if they don't know that's a career, why the hell would someone become a diesel? It, it, it doesn't work. They're going to college because that's what's talked about. College, 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 yep. college. We don't talk about the trades enough. We don't talk about diesel technicians. We don't talk about mechanics so that you can, you can have this other 
other career paths and just dominate the conversation. So if we're not all talking about what the hell we do, why we do it, how we enjoy it, we're still going to have this perception problem. It's going to take everybody talking about this to actually make a difference in your community. And I can talk about diesel technicians all day long. But if David talks about it and someone within his network that he knows personally sees that, that's going to weigh a lot more on that individual than me talking about it. So until everybody talks about what the hell we do and you can do it at your family barbecue, yes, but social media is the way to do it in a scalable sense. We are not going to make a meaningful difference on this perception problem. It's not going to happen. Well, because as you're talking, it's making me think of Micro, who um, with like the dirty jobs thing, you know, he certainly had an audience and built an audience with that show and just his uh, continued um, brand, you know, the things he talks about. But if it was, well, we just need one person to be talking about it more, then the perception prob- problem would probably be different. But this, as like I've learned just you know, doing the work here at BuildWit, but talking to the folks in the industry, this is a question of breadth. This is, it's not one person just talking a lot about it. It's a lot of people talking about it. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, like David, if, if you don't have like an account and you're not talking about your business, like... Of course, you're going to start from ground zero. But like you have some sort of audience just in your life, like some sort of community already. Like people are going to start following you if you're just like telling your story. And that is just part of like the um, that breadth that I'm talking about. The more people are talking about it, like everybody's got a different community, a different, um, I guess, audience. I don't want to say audience when you're just talking about people, but it kind of is that. Right, like the people who would follow you if you were on the internet, mm-hmm. um, and so I think what's interesting is you know he's putting ninety nine percent of my work is referral or word of mouth, and he's you know like he's saying he's keeping himself and other people busy. Okay, but yeah, but, maybe it gets to a point where I have too much work. I need to go hire somebody. If you're already talking about your business and what you do, people are following along. Hiring's not going to yeah. be a problem. Hiring's not going to be a problem. Maybe you're having a retention problem. These these guys just don't get what we do and why it's important. Well, if you're talking about them every day and reminding them why it's important, great. You're probably going to have less of a retention problem. We're number one for suicide by industry. That's a lack of purpose. Mm-hmm. People don't think they are serving a purpose in their life. If you talk about the purpose of what you do, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. If you want to go... Um, uh, just learn about different ways of doing things. Maybe you're really good at what you do, but isn't isn't it beneficial to go see how other people do the same stuff? You can do that via social media. I've made so many remarkable friendships in this industry thanks to social media that would not exist otherwise, that have enriched my life in all different ways, given me all kinds of new experiences that I would have never had. I've learned so much through it. So there's a benefit right mm-hmm. there. I employ 80 people because of social media. That's crazy. Yeah. We had our, our team meeting a couple of weeks ago. And one thing Aaron like very clearly stressed was none of you would be here without social media. Yes. That, that's not made up. That's a, a direct fact. And so, you know, like obviously it has benefited us, but that's, it's still benefits anybody because like it's still a business if you're going to use it for your business, but also just like for your own life, like you just get more out of it. 
I think what I think about when people ask questions like this, and this is not necessarily putting these words in David's mouth, is I, I need to be on social media to um, get more people to see what I'm doing. But like, there is so much in like those communities for things that I can learn from other folks. And to me, like that's a big percentage of the like what you're leaving on the table. Yeah, there's there's so there or from a get work standpoint, great. You have all all of the work you could ever want. Well, who's to say that's the best kind of work? Who's to say that's the most profitable kind of work? Yeah. Now you're talking about what you're doing. You're just finding more opportunities that are potentially better for your skill set in business mm-hmm. than the ones you're than the opportunities you're chasing today. And now you're enjoying work more. Now you're making more money. I, that's a win. Yeah. There's so much here. You don't have to go want to go scale a business. Like I want to go scale a business. I want to go way beyond where we're at right now. Social media is core to that. That's It's a core piece of our strategy. It's not all of it, but it's a very important piece. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it serves you no matter where you are on the spectrum. If you're just a single sole proprietor, again, you can you can learn more effectively. If you do want to go hire somebody, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier. You're just going to find, maybe you want to go get a new service truck, for example. You're going to have more opportunities mm-hmm. when it goes to beginning a service truck. It's not like you're going to go get a free service truck, but people are going to help you out. People are going to hook you up. That's pretty badass. You're going to be potentially inspiring people within your life. You're going to be just informing people in your life what the hell you do. How many people's kids don't have any clue what they do? So why would they want to follow in your footsteps if they don't truly understand what the hell you do day to day? There's there's just so many benefits to it. And you can take it in so many different directions. But just take it in the direction you want to take it in. Go have fun with it. It doesn't have to be a chore. Everybody thinks about it like a chore, like a box to check. That sucks. I don't treat it like a chore. I think it's a ton of fun. I get to go share different job sites around the world. I get mm-hmm. to go talk about different people. I get to go just show off cool videos. Here's this really cool slag pot carrier I saw the other day. It's badass. You'll probably think it's badass too. It's fun. Yeah, th- that's the whole piece. It wasn't, you know, here's how if you buy one of these two, you can do this with it. Like, no, th- those aren't even part of the conversation. It was you're like, that was really cool. I want to share it, period. That was the end of the story. Yes. And um, one thing that you talk really, really well about, if you wouldn't mind digging into, is the more that you tell stories, the better you get at collecting more stories, right? Like, I think for me, one thing that's been really interesting is, you know, you obviously spend a lot of time in the field, you're on a lot of job sites, but you're also like running a business here in the, here in the office in Nashville, you're doing those things. But you also post a lot just on your on your channels sometimes it's serious sometimes it's goofy um you're not just like drumming all that out of your brain like it's because you're seeing all these things um you know why why is like telling those stories like why does that matter to you like why do you care because i i i i i just love it i love being around the industry and talking about it and mm-hmm. sharing it with other people i, I do it because I, I genuinely enjoy it not because i have to yeah i i, I would have given up years ago, had I just been doing this to go make some money or go build a business, who gives a fuck? I, I, that's just not, that's not deep enough to put up with all of the bullshit we have for years now. Not saying it's hard or, you know, hard, oh, I work harder than you or whatever it is, but 
I would have given up a long time ago had I not been enjoying it or sure. the, just the lengths we go to, to go to some of these sites around the world. Like it's insane. We do, we do insane stuff to the average person, but mm-hmm. to me it's normal because, well, this, I just, I love it. I wouldn't think twice about it. Of course I'd go do this or that. Um, kind of lost my train of thought, but I think the biggest thing is, yeah, storytelling, it's a skill. The more you do it, the better you become. And also with using social media as a storytelling medium, there's going to be opportunities that come up that you would not have previously mm-hmm. planned for. It's not all strategic. You plant all of these seeds. I look at it like I'm planting seeds all the time. And I don't know how the hell it's going to sprout up or when it's going to sprout up, but maybe it sprouts up at some point in a very beneficial manner. Like last year, we went to go seek investment. So we go to Wheeler Machinery, Caterpillar dealer. We lay out what the hell we're doing. It makes sense. It's a tangible business and what we're doing is tangible and, and okay, great. You know, here's, here's everything. Here's where we want to go. Here's, here's where we've been. But what made a difference was they texted one of their best customers in the state and said, do you know who the hell these builder guys are? And he says, oh yeah, I listen to the podcast all the time. I love, love what they're doing. Boom. Immediate credibility. I could not have ever planned for that. Thank, thanks to me doing the podcast for two years consistently, I somehow got this guy to listen to it, find it compelling. And then now he just gave me immediate credibility with people that I needed credibility with. And then I go into their shop. I tour their shop. Some of the younger technicians said, hey, you know, love what you're doing. Um, I, I talked to him, shoot the poop a little bit. And the guy we were with who leads the shop saw that, relayed that to the decision makers at Wheeler, Jonathan Campbell and, and his cousin, Brian. And again, immediate credibility. Oh, wow. So they're saying they have this brand that means something. They walk through our shop. Our technicians <laughs> notice these guys. Immediate credibility. I, I could not have planned for that. I could not have, I could not have done anything prior to go create that other mm-hmm. than tell my story consistently on social media. And then it just materializes in such a magnificent way when I need it to, when I'm growing my business in the way I want to grow my business. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to grow it in a direction that required capital. I needed to go raise capital. I needed people to believe in the value of the network we're creating. That's how I needed to do it. But you as a technician with the service truck, it could be completely different. But the opportunities, you just, it, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like Bauma, I'm going out to Bauma. Zeppelin Cat's hosting us. And Zeppelin Cat, they're a big deal at Bauma. Mm-hmm. They, they're the only one with their own hall. And then I say, could we go, could we go tour the show before the show opens? Because I don't want all the people around when we're doing our thing. And they say, yeah, let's, let's, let's work that out. <laughs> and they figure it out. And now we're touring the show. And this is an experience that means a lot to me. It might not mean anything to anybody. Oh, who gives a shit going into the show that, you know, who cares? That's a big deal. That's an experience that would not be available if I were just a guy that emailed Zeppelin, hey, could you get me into the show and beforehand and tour like, me Yeah, around. you can buy a ticket and go at the normal time. <laughs> but I didn't do it. Like, you know what? I'm going to post on social media for five years so that one day I can get into Bauma and tour it beforehand. Like, that's, that wasn't the play. Mm-hmm. But those, again, those are the opportunities and experiences yeah. that just make my life richer. Like, that's just a cool experience. Well said. I think one thing that I love about social media in general, but 
specifically like the industry we're in is that there are so many like genres of the way people post about it. Mm-hmm. Some people are just like, you know, a picture just like, hey, I'm on this job site and uh, this job is like this. They like, just explain what they're working on. Awesome, super valuable, really educational. There are people where it's just jokes, where it's yeah. all just just memes in about construction. Um, there are some where people are talking about like, hey, here's, uh, you know, this is just a technique I use to do this kind of work. Like that's all so interesting. And trust me, like that, to me, that goes across um, interest lines. Like it, stuff like that, I think, can bleed into other um, worlds, into into other interests in ways that um, you know, just not posting, not having something on social media, you just can't do. Yes. You know, you're going to reach people who um, maybe aren't in this industry, but like might be like, wow, like this is actually pretty interesting. Maybe I want to do something like that. Like that's not happening. If you're just not on the internet. No. And, and something that might be obvious to you is not obvious to other people. Mm-hmm. So you could talk about how to how to choose the, the right size socket, for example. That is something that's very elementary. But to me, someone that's never wrenched on shit in my life, that's very helpful. I'd be sitting there like, wow, this is this is great information. If someone sent me 100 videos of like, here's just like a secret tip or like just like something I do. Um, to make my job easier every day. If somebody sent me a, a list of 100 videos about things that I don't know anything about, I would watch all of them because I'm like, whoa, because it's awesome to watch people who are experts at stuff. Yeah. Like to me, like that's universal. Yeah. And it's like some, one of the things I love is, you know, we have all these people on the podcast. I'm like hearing from people who do things that I didn't, I don't really know about, or I only know the bare minimum or, or a basic level on where they start digging, digging into, you know, high level techniques, high level approaches like that's awesome to hear people who love something and are experts at it mm-hmm. like that is so compelling and so i love um that like he's kind of at the beginning of like this journey because he can dig into it however he wants but it's like the the goal here is like just do it like dig into it yeah and and yeah, you know you don't have to do it so you don't, don't have do to it if you want to but but you're asking about it yeah yeah you're asking about it so that's it mm-hmm. uh, so do it if you want but Companies that are not on social, don't believe in social, they're going to lose. That's a tough place to be, man. It is. That is a losing formula. I just don't see a path to victory there long term for them if they don't adopt this world of we need to talk about ourselves. I mean, <laughs> and and their number one problem is we can't find people. Well, yeah, because if I'm a young person, I'm going to go to work for you. I'm going to go look you up on the Internet. If I can't find anything about you, I don't want to come work for you. I don't give a shit how good your equipment is, how good your reputation is, how long you've been doing it for. I don't care. I don't. Mm-hmm. None of that means anything to me. Oh, wow. You, 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 you have benefits. Okay, great. So does everybody else. <laughs> I'm going to go to Hoopa, you know, showing off what the hell they do every day. Wow. This looks like a great company. Wow. They have this academy. They invest in their people. And, and wow, here's a, here's one of their foremen talking about what the hell they do at the company. And then here's their, wow, they have a new DA pushing K-Tech, K-Tech pans. That's pretty damn cool. I'm going to go look at that. Hmm. Now, that's a pretty cool company to go work for. It's interesting. You know, on our internal podcast, we were talking um, about social media a good bit, too. And we were talking about uh, when hiring, bringing people on. If there were two people who had exact same skill sets, but one of them had um, like a fleshed out like online social media presence and the other one didn't at all. Like it's just more the person who has like that social media presence is, is more valuable. Like you you're more likely to bring that person on. And I think kind of flipped on its head. If I am choosing between two vendors, two companies that like I want to hire to do work, 
if one of them I can find out a lot about on the internet and the other person, I, the other company, I can't find anything about them. Mm-hmm. I don't care if in theory, their a reputation is the same. Yeah. If I can just learn more about them and see how they do it th- to me, like that's what I'm going to be more drawn to. Well, and, and this is where the previous generation is, is a little off. They think that, well, I wouldn't care about that. I would care about the reputation. They think that because they think that so does everybody else. Mm-hmm. I am telling you that is not, not that is not the future. Mm-hmm. That is not the case, not the future. The world is only going in one direction. That is increased transparency, that is increased digitalization. I don't like it just as much as anybody else does. I don't like social media. I don't like being being open. Like that's not how I'm wired as a human being, but I have had to say, "Hey, where I want to go requires this, so I'm going to get ahead of it. And then when the industry does figure out that this is a thing, yeah. it still hasn't figured that out somehow, which is amazing to me. When they do figure it out, we'll be the game in town. Well, we're there. We're there. So I, I, it's just, it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around it because it's been so beneficial to not only my life, our business, but all these other industries. And yet the dirt world is still like, nah, social media is stupid. It's a waste of time. I'm like, all right, keep going down that path. Just keep it up because you're not going to be able to find a workforce at some point. And it might not be now. It might not be five years, might not even be 10 years, but there's going to be a point in which that strategy no longer works. People are just not going to come right up to your door with 15 years of experience and say, let's go to work and then go bust their ass. It just doesn't work anymore. doesn't work. When talking about the industry and maybe the industry's relationship with um, social media and maybe the internet in general, um, why do you think that there has been um, such a lack of adoption of using the internet and just websites and um, social media? They haven't needed to. They haven't needed to. Everybody gets work based on bids and a lot of low bids. Like if you're CW Matthews, I mean, for alternative delivery and your reputation does matter, but low bid, anybody can go bid on the project. If you're low, you're low. You get the job. Doesn't matter who the hell you are. Mm-hmm. It, 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 if you have the bonding capacity, you have the capability to actually go do it. You submit a legitimate bid. You're the one getting that work. That's how it works. Now, is that the perfect system? I don't think so, but that's how the system works. So they haven't had to do it. They've always been able to find the workforce that they've needed. And then like was put in the, in the question. It's just easier not to worry about it. I don't want to put myself out there. It's just something new. I don't want to expose myself to unnecessary liability. I don't want to, I don't want to potentially have one of our people sharing a post, a photo that makes us look dumb. I don't want that transparency. It's way easier to just say no phones, no photos. That's the easy way to go. That is the easy path. There's no liability to it. It's safe. But again, flawed strategy, Mm. flawed strategy. And flawed strategy when it comes to solving the industry's biggest problem right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why I just don't see a situation in the future where we can still continue to say, nah, social media, kind of dumb. We don't want to do it. It's just not, it's just, I, I don't see that as, as any kind of reality. Well, because at the end of the day, it becomes about um, this this expectation that the uh, the job seekers are going to come find you where you're at 
as opposed to you going and finding the job seekers. Yeah. Most construction companies, they're passive. They basically just sit out there and hope, hope, fish, find them. I, I am going to go study the fish. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go talk about myself to the fish. I'm going to go get the tastiest damn bait. I am going to go make the fish. And I'm going where the fish hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite. It's, it's passive versus yeah. why, why are you passive? Why are you just sitting there hoping a fish jumps into your damn boat? It doesn't work that way. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make sure as many people know about us as possible so that when we do say, hey, we need a new project manager, we're not struggling for applications. And yes, I'm not a blue collar company. Yes. So I can't go draw perfect parallels. I can't. Same principle though. Exact same principle. Everybody's just sitting around hoping people show up at their door. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It doesn't work. And then they're just doing the exact same thing repeatedly. Like, well, we, must, we be go their, to the, must be we, their problem. Yeah, we've gone to this career fair for years. But you still have the same problem. So are just all of these new people going to show up next year to this career fair and solve your problem? And maybe like continue to go to the career fair. Maybe you're finding good people there, but you're probably not fulfilling the demand. You're probably not fulfilling that gap that you have right now. To do that, you need to go elsewhere. To go elsewhere, you need to take additional risks. You need to uh, do new things. Mm -hmm. You need to become uncomfortable. But all these construction companies, they've been around sometimes 100 years. We've been doing it the same way for 100 years, very successfully. Why the hell would we need to change? Mm-hmm. Well, the, well world's, the world's moved pretty damn quick in the past 10, 20 years, and it's just now catching up with us. And that's a tough place, I think, to be where it's, well, it's still going fine for us. Yes, that's like, the worst place to be. That's a very tough place to be because if you're saying, well, it's still going fine, you're not able to like look into the future on like how are we gonna have to change for it to continue to be that way Mm -hmm. because if you're like well it's always it's always been fine well and then most of these companies are it's either (laughs) something i was learning about the other day was there was there was a (laughs) a practice that was somewhat regular of of regicide of killing the king because killing the king introduced some necessary anarchy into the system and allowed for turnover because if a king just sits on the throne for too long, things get a little stale. So sometimes the king would have to die mm-hmm. to get everything to, 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 to introduce a little bit of volatility for then everything to get a little worse, but then ultimately get much better on the other end of it. There's a lot of parallels, a lot of parallels to a lot of construction companies mm-hmm. right now. You've had the king on the throne for sometimes many decades managing the business as they have. For many decades and are probably wildly successful yeah. at it. But that strategy just doesn't work into the future. Yeah. But they won't get off the throne. Now, I'm not saying we have to go kill a bunch of construction companies. No, no, no. Let's make sure we're not saying that. It's, 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 it's a, 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 a wild, a wild concept. Mm-hmm. But then even the king does get off the throne, hands it to the next generation. Sometimes I see the king is technically off the throne. But managing oh, the next generation yeah. as if they're still on the throne, that's one big problem. Well, they come in and they say, I need to run this company the same as dad did. Yeah, well, yeah. And then you always have dad in your ear, mm-hmm. which causes, uh, I've seen just a ton of resentment and, and a lot of problems. But then uh, on the other side of it, maybe you get total control. But then now <laughs> you're handed this empire 
You don't want to go screw it up. Mm-mm. You're not going to go take risks. You want to go. And changing anything is inherently more of a risk than that. <laughs> yeah, point because yeah. like your emotional yeah, uh, you thing is go, tied to you, it. You want to prove yourself and prove you're capable. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't want to go screw up the good thing going here. Yeah. So you're incentivized to play it safe. Mm-hmm. And I would be doing that too. And so that's why I have a lot of respect for this next generation within these, these businesses that have been around for a while, like Wheeler Machinery, that they're operating the business in an intelligent way, but they're also saying how we've got here is not going to get us further. We need to be thinking differently. We need to be setting the bar for the rest of the industry to follow. That is our role. And yeah, it is going to be a little risky. Yeah, it is going to require us to do different things and think differently, but that is where the, that, that's where the industry needs to go. And I have a ton of respect for those people and I've, we, we, we're grateful. We're, we're lucky enough to work with a lot of those people. Yeah. But it's fascinating to see how that, how that plays out because everybody, you know, I, I get the comment on social media all the time, like, what the fuck do you know? You've never done this. I'm like, yeah, I, I haven't. What the fuck do I know? Like, you're, you're perfectly right. I, I agree, man. <laughs> yeah, correct. But- I also have a front row seat to a lot of businesses in this industry, a lot of businesses, more at an intimate level than just about anybody else. I I am just there. I'm just listening. I'm just able to watch. Mm -hmm. And you can learn a lot just by watching and listening. And then you can start to collect data points from all over and start to, to start to recognize patterns. And because you're not involved in it every day, you're not all wound up, you're not a competitor, you're able to see things that other people can't see. Not because you're smarter, yeah. because I'm sure as shit not smarter, but just because I have different access. Like I could be the CEO of Caterpillar. I'm going to have amazing access to Caterpillar. I can't call up Lee Bear and say, hey, Lee Bear, can I come see your factory in Germany? Doesn't work that way. Yeah, I can. That's crazy. Yeah, and that doesn't come from just your ability to drive your own personal revenue. That's those opportunities are something different, um, which goes back to like the social media thing. All of that goes back to social media. Mm-hmm. All those opportunities exist because social media. Yeah, and the reason why I started with social media, it's important to note, very selfish. I wanted to go build my brand so that I was more successful as a potential candidate within the job market. So I had a great job out of college. But I wanted to go build my personal brand because if I wanted to go to another opportunity. You might even want a better job after that. Uh, I'm always looking. Who isn't, man? If you're not always looking, come on. Like I look at that from my employer standpoint. Everybody's always, always looking. So I need to make, need to <laughs> make <bring it. laughs> a very compelling effort every day. And sometimes we do great. Sometimes we fall short to make sure that they go out and look and they say, yeah, the grass isn't greener. I'm going to stay here. But always looking. And so that was my goal. Go build my personal brand after listening to Andy Frisella on the uh, MFCEO podcast. Build my personal brand so that I would have more options from a career standpoint. Mm-hmm. That was the play. And then it became bigger once I got involved in I Build America and saw the, the, the real problem with labor in the industry and saw the opportunity to go inspire the next generation. Absolutely. But it started out with, I'm going to go talk about the industry from my perspective, find my voice so that I have more opportunities. Yeah. And at that point, you do, you find higher purpose, but you don't necessarily have to start with like higher purpose. No, you don't start. You can, you can be, you can be selfish. Being selfish isn't necessarily bad. Been built as bad, but you got to take care of yourself before others. It's part of a bigger station. Yeah. Um, awesome. I thought that was really fascinating, man. I, I think there's like so many pieces to this 
Um, and and I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it today is because I think so many people think of it as, well, if I, st- if I start my social media accounts, then I'm going to, I'll be able to drum up a little bit more work, but then it might be a little bit annoying because I'll have to, like he's saying, somebody might, um, heckle me for not having a perfect photo or whatever that is. And I think what's important here is for, I think for us to talk about it, that there is a lot more at stake and a lot more going on than, um, well, now that I start posting about my company or whatever, now I get, I get more business. Like it's, that's a, that's a really small way to think about this conversation. Um, and so I'm glad that we kind of dug into like the richness of what these things kind of lead to. Yeah. I don't think you can't complain about the whole workforce thing if you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Something very simple that you can do about it is talk about what the hell you do online in your own way. That's it. Once a week. You don't even have to do it all that often. Just tell the truth. Just talk. Be real. Just just show people what the hell it takes to fix shit. Mm -hmm. There you go. You're doing something about it. But until you you do something about it, nothing's going to change. And you have no right to go talk about how much it sucks. You have no right to go talk about how lazy people are, whatever it is, because you're not doing anything about it. Go do something about it. Social media is is a very simple way to do something about it. Yep. It really does create change. It really will. Even if you go impact one person's life, that's a big deal mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have otherwise. What's that worth? What's that worth? Yeah. That's worth a lot. That's worth a lot. It doesn't take very much. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take very much. That's awesome. Thanks, Aaron, for getting into all that. There's just so many pieces. Um, David, thanks for the question, man. Um, please reach out if you got any more questions. I, I think uh, just hearing your story was, was uh, interesting and inspiring to me. I think that is a Dirt Talk podcast, my friend, Aaron Witt. Great. Well... Thanks for having me. I'll send you the $500 after this. I love it. Thank you very much. 